Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 56 of The Christian's Daily Walk by Henry Scudder. It were a far wiser and better course for you, who will be thus hasty in judging yourselves to be reprobate, to busy yourselves first with other things. Acquaint yourselves with God's revealed will in his word. Learn to know what God has commanded you to do and do that. Also what he has threatened and fear that and what he has promised and believe and rest on that. After you have done this, you may look into yourselves and there you shall read your election written in golden and great letters. For God never intended that the first lesson which a Christian should learn should be the hardest and highest that can be learned taken out of the book of his eternal counsel and decree. And so to descend to the A, B, C of Christianity, which were of course most perplexed and preposterous. But his will is that his scholars and children should learn out of his written word here on earth, first, that God made all things. Genesis one thirty one, and that he made man good, and that men, hearkening to Satan, found out evil devices, Ecclesiastes 7.29, and so fell from grace and from God, and so both they and the whole world that came out of their loins became liable to eternal damnation. Next, God would have you to learn that he, in his infinite wisdom, goodness, and mercy, thought of and concluded a new covenant of grace. Genesis 3.15, 17.1.2 and 11, Romans 4.11, Jeremiah 31.31.32. For the effecting whereof he found out and appointed a way and means to pacify his wrath by satisfying his justice, punishing sin in man's nature, by which he opened a way unto his mercy to show it to whom he would. Namely, he gave his only son, the very God, to become very man. Philippians 2, 6 through 11. And being made a common person and surety in man's stead, died and endured the punishment due to the sin of man and rose again and was exalted to sit at God's right hand to reign, having all authority committed unto him. Thus he made the new covenant of grace established in his son, Jesus Christ, the tenor and condition whereof required on man's part is that man accept of and enter into this covenant, believing in Christ, 
in whom it is established, then whosoever believeth in him shall not die, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 This God did in his wisdom, justice, mercy, and love to man, that he himself might be just and yet a justifier of him that is of the faith of Jesus, Romans 3.26. And he has, therefore, given his word and sacraments and has called and has given gifts to his ministers, Ephesians 4.8, thereby to beget and increase faith in men by publishing this good news and by commanding them as in Christ's stead, in God's name, to believe and to be reconciled to God, 2 Corinthians 5.20, and to live no longer according to the will of their old masters, the devil, the world, and the flesh, under whom they were in cursed bondage, but according to the will of him that redeemed them in holiness and righteousness whose service is a perfect and blessed freedom. Now, when you have learned these lessons first, and by looking into yourselves can find faith and new obedience, 2 Peter 1, 5, 10, 11, then by this, your effectual calling, you may safely ascend to that high point of your predestination, which will give you comfort through assurance that you shall never fall away. When you observe this order in learning your election to life, it will not minister unto you matter of curious and dangerous dispute, either with God or man, but of high admiration, thanksgiving, and unspeakable comfort, causing you to cry out with the apostle, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, etc. Romans eleven thirty three, And blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in his well-beloved etc. Ephesians 1, 3, 5, 6. Section 4 of fears concerning the sin against the Holy Ghost. There are yet some who, having heard that there is a sin against the Holy Ghost and that it is unpardonable, are full of fears that they have committed that sin, 
thence concluding that they are reprobates. For they say that they have sinned willfully against knowledge and conscience since they received the knowledge of the truth and tasted of the heavenly gift and of the good word of God. If you who thus object have sinned against knowledge and conscience, you have much cause for humbling yourself before God, confessing it to him, asking pardon of him and grace to believe and repent, both which you must endeavor by all means. Yet I see no cause why you should conclude so desperately that you have sinned against the Holy Ghost and are a reprobate. For as few in comparison, though too many, commit this sin, so few know what it is. All sin against knowledge and conscience is not this sin. 1 Kings 15, 5, 2 Samuel 11, 4, 6, 10, 15, 25. Nor yet all willful sinning. It is not any one sin against the law, nor yet the direct breach of the whole law, nor every malicious opposing of the gospel, Hebrews 10, 28. If it be of ignorance, neither is it every blasphemy, 1 Timothy 1, 13 or persecution of the gospel and of those that profess the truth, if these be done out of ignorance or passion. Nor yet is it every apostasy. Second Chronicles 16.10, 1 Kings 11.4-6, Hebrews 10.28-29, and falling into gross sins of diverse sorts, though done against knowledge and conscience, Yet this sin against the Holy Ghost contains all these and more. It is a sin against the gospel and free offer and dispensation of grace and salvation by Christ through the Spirit. Yet it is not any particular sin against the gospel, nor yet a rejecting of the whole gospel, if in ignorance, Luke twenty-three thirty-four nor yet every denying of Christ or sudden revolting from the outward profession of the gospel when it is of infirmity through fear and such like temptation, Matthew 26, 69, 70, 74. Neither is it called the sin against the Holy Ghost and is unpardonable because it is committed against the essence or person of the Holy Ghost. For the essence of the three persons in the Trinity is all one. And the person of the Holy Ghost is not more excellent than the person of the Father and the Son. But it is called the sin against the Holy Ghost and becomes unpardonable because it is against the office of the Holy Ghost and against the gracious operations of the Holy Ghost, and therein against the whole blessed Trinity, all whose works out of themselves are consummate and perfected 
in the work of the Holy Ghost. Moreover, know that it is unpardonable not in respect of God's power, but in respect of his will. He having, in his holy wisdom, determined never to pardon it. And good reason why he should will not to pardon it in respect of the kind of the sin, if you will observe it, it being a willful and malicious refusing of pardon upon such terms as the gospel does offer it, according scorning to be beholden unto God for it. You may perceive what it is by this description. The sin against the Holy Ghost is an utter, willful, and spiteful rejection of the gospel of salvation by Christ, together with an advised and absolute falling away from the profession of it, so far that, against former knowledge and conscience, Hebrews 6, 4-6, through 6, a man does maliciously oppose and blaspheme the Spirit of Christ in the word and ordinances of the gospel and motions of the Spirit in them, having resisted, rejected, and utterly quenched all those common and more inward gifts and motions wrought upon their hearts and affections, which sometimes were entertained by them, insomuch that out of hatred of the spirit of life in Christ, they crucify to themselves afresh the Son of God, and do put him, both in his ordinances of religion and in his members, to open shame, treading underfoot the Son of God, counting the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, doing despite to the Spirit of grace, Hebrews 10, 26-29. If you carefully look into those places of the Scripture which speak of this sin, and also observe the opposition which the apostle makes between sinning against the law and sinning against the gospel, you will clearly find out the nature of this sin. Matthew 12, 24, 31, 32, Mark 3, 28 through 30, Luke 12, 10, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, 10. 26 to 29. This concludes episode 56 of Henry Scudder's The Christian's Daily Walk.